Right this morning, I'm going to be starting a new series, a series called Rooted. Now, I know it's the middle of winter, right? And in the middle of winter, maybe we don't think about trees and plants and things like that because you look around outside and this time of year, the trees don't have leaves on them and flowers that grow from those bulbs underground are, are hidden under the ground. We don't see that right now. But still, I'm going to start this series with a passage that comes from the New Testament that talks about plants, in particular, a vine, and vines that grow branches and bear fruit. And I want us to begin with that one because we're going to focus particularly on what it means to be rooted in these coming weeks, rooted in ways that give us nutrient. Because even though right now during this winter time you see the trees outside and you, you see that they don't have leaves on them and it appears like there's not much life there, there is life there. That life, the nutrients of that tree are stored down in the roots. So all summer long, while the trees have leaves on them, they, they gather the sunlight and the carbon dioxide and, and they use the water that comes up through the roots and they create the nutrients that the tree needs from that. And then in the fall, all of those nutrients go down and are stored into the roots, and they stay there so that through the cold of the winter, the tree survives and it may thrive. And so that in the springtime again, when the thaw comes and the weather turns warm, those nutrients go back up from the roots and out to the branches. And then new buds appear and new leaves sprout, and the whole thing starts over again. All of that happens because the tree survives by what's stored in the roots. You know how it is that when a a branch is cut off or falls off a tree, there's not much you can do. That branch just dies or the leaves that fall off, they just die. But isn't it amazing how if you've seen a tree that's been cut down, but the stump isn't removed? The stump is there, but give it a year and you start to see new branches come out of that stump. That the tree survives because of nutrients that come from the roots. So I want us to consider that part over the coming weeks. The part of our faith in which we are people who are rooted and that our faith is nurtured by what comes to us through the ways our faith is rooted. So to begin that today, story that comes from the Gospel of John. John chapter 15, where Jesus says these words about what it means to be rooted, beginning at verse 5. He says this, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, rooted faith. A faith that is rooted. And what that looks like for us. That we... Consider that during this time of year because January is often that time when many people look at things like resolutions. I don't know if you've made any New Year's resolutions. Resolutions of of things like, I mean, the the typical ones, the ones that, according to surveys, are always high on the list are things like, I'm going to eat healthy or I'm going to exercise more or I'm going to lose a few unneeded pounds Those things always come up as resolutions. And it makes me wonder, since people make those same resolutions every year, then it tells you they don't exactly stick with it then, do they? So we do that. But January is that time when we start to think about that. It's a new year. Often we see it as a time for maybe a new beginning. And we think of ways that maybe we can improve, that we can make our own lives a little bit better with a new beginning. So let's consider that in ways of faith here as well. What it means for us to have a faith that maybe has a renewal to it, a new beginning, something where we might make resolutions about our walk with God and what that looks like. Our church has been a part the last couple of months of a group called the Church Renewal Lab. And we have a a lead team of people who are working on that, and we've gathered to begin some of that work. And that's that's a two-year process, so that's going to go on for a while now. But that's one of those things that we consider is what does it mean for us as a church, as a congregation, to experience renewal, something that gives us a new life, a new vitality, and how that works into the ministries that we do here, but also how it works into our faith lives as people here as well, to have a renewed faith in that way. So we consider what that looks like to be renewed. And for those of us who are, we're in the Reformed tradition here, and and there's a Latin phrase that's been around forever in the Reformed tradition called semper reformata. And it it simply means that we are people who are always being reformed. That God is always renewing us in some way. That we're always being conformed more and more into the image of Christ. So that renewal in that way, being reformed, is part of who we are as a continual process and what that looks like. But let's be honest about something that, especially in a church context or a religious context, that when renewal means change, 
we're not always so happy about that. People naturally resist certain kinds of change that happens. And it's not just in churches. You find that in other places too. But what happens when the need to experience renewal presents you with change? Needed change. Necessary change. One of the books that our renewal lead team is reading right now is a book that talks about the exploration of Lewis and Clark. So this goes back to the time when Thomas Jefferson was president and and orchestrated the Louisiana Purchase, which gave new territory to the United States, and then commissioned Lewis and Clark, these two explorers, who then took boats, small boats, canoes, paddle boats, and went up the Mississippi River and then up the Missouri River. And their goal, their mission was to find the headwaters of the Missouri River and then be able to find there at the Continental Divide headwaters of another river that would go west instead of east. The goal was to find a transportation route by water that was undiscovered at that point. Of How do we trade with Asia without having to sail all the way around the world the long way? But is there a way we could just go up the river, come out at the Pacific Ocean, and then go across that way. That was the mission that Lewis and Clark had. And they took boats, small boats, canoes, paddle boats, because they thought what was going to happen is they would get to wherever the headwaters of the Missouri River are. They would just have to kind of explore around the continental divide a little bit, and they would find headwaters of another river that would go west. What they did not expect, and what they found, was the Rocky Mountains. Mountains that... You could not take all of their boats and equipments to get over. So for them to fulfill their mission, to complete their objective, they had to change their method because they found themselves in a landscape, in a territory where boats didn't do the trick anymore. Maybe boats worked fine when they were out on the flats of the plains, but now what do they do with boats? So the objective was still there, the mission was still in front of them, but the landscape changed. And because the landscape changed, they needed to change their methods to continue their exploration. Sometimes in our life of faith, situations like that come along. You know, we know that we've been given a mission by God. We know that we are people who are called to grow in faith, who are called to walk with God But sometimes the conditions of our life changes. Sometimes the community in which we are a part of changes. Sometimes the landscape looks different. And the methods that brought us along so far can't bring us any further than where we're at. The mission is still there. The objective is still the same. But but now maybe the method has to change and be a little different. Sometimes we find this in our own lives too, don't we? Sometimes we find, especially those of you who have maybe been a part of the Christian faith for a long time, that you've had periods in your life where you have felt so alive with Christ. You have felt your spiritual life growing by leaps and bounds. But, but then, doesn't it feel like if you've been in that long enough that you hit a roadblock, maybe? Or you hit this time where it just feels stagnant and And maybe that growth that you once felt so strongly 
just doesn't seem to be there. That sometimes we need to evaluate and look at our methods because our lives change. Things around us change. Here's what I want us to do in the coming weeks, though. I want us to consider among all of the changes that happen, among all of the resolutions that you may have for a new year of things that you want to change or improve about your life, I want us to consider this. Among those changes, what has to remain? What has to stay the same? What do you have to hold on to and not let go of? Because change just for the sake of change doesn't get you very far. That's not sustainable. But within that, within all the things you may consider for where life is going and what's next, think especially for those who who are facing major changes. Students, as you progress on through school and graduate to the next level, get from elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to whatever is beyond, a career or college, college and whatever is beyond. For those of you who are in other stages of life, that working a career and maybe considering a change in that or approaching a time of retirement and what that might look like, or for those of you who are already in that season of retirement, what do you do with your time now and where do you focus your attentions and your energies? All of those things bring upon us new opportunities, opportunities where we may see changes in our life, but let's consider then, to do that well, what has to stay? What remains? Or in other words, where are we rooted? That we are people who, even among those opportunities that come to us, opportunities we look at, especially with the new year, that we stay rooted where we are fed the nutrients that come to us nutrients of faith. That's what I want to consider in the coming weeks. So starting today with this idea, the value of abiding and what it means to abide. If you look in a dictionary about abiding, it would tell you that to abide is to remain in one place consistently or moving in one direction. Or if you look beyond that, you'll find definitions that would talk about to embrace a certain dedication that does not give up. That abiding is, is about sticking to it, right? That it's about a, a determination to go about a certain course and to stay with it no matter what. Often that's what we think about with abiding and what abiding looks like for us. Jesus gives this story of, of a vine that teaches us a little something about faith that abides, what it means to abide with God in that faith. And abiding may look different for each one of us in different ways. So, so let's consider how that comes to us through this passage. Sometimes abiding seems like an easy thing. That, yep, I know where I am and, and where I need to stay with God. Maybe sometimes, think of it this way, those of you who perhaps play on a sports team, that Every now and then you have a game that you know as the game progresses, you know what, we're not going to win this one. This one's going to go up as a loss. But I've made a commitment to this team. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give it my best. I'm still going to play the game that I'm a part of and I'm going to see it through to the end and I'm not going to quit even though this one's going to be a loss. 
I'm going to abide. Stay with it. Stay the course because there's going to be another game. There will be another day because we will move forward from this. Sometimes abiding may feel like that, that I've got to stick with it even though I know these steps right now might be hard. Our faith can feel like that too, right? That there are moments where abiding perhaps feels like something that is a little difficult to take those steps forward. So let's see what this passage has to say about that. What it means to be rooted in a value of abiding. All right? There are some clues right in the passage. So the the passage is written, it's printed in your bulletins, or maybe you've got a Bible open, to see where this says this. That what does it mean to abide? Well, the word in this passage that I think captures that in our English language is the word remain. How many times in this passage alone does Jesus use the word remain as a way of abiding? In verse 5, he says this, remain in me. Or in other words, abide in Jesus. What it means for us to be people who are abiding in Jesus, that connection to our Savior Jesus cannot be understated. That the value of remaining connected to Jesus is so important for our faith and what that looks like. That we are people who don't just take that as a suggestion, take it or leave it, You know what? Stay connected to Jesus if that works for you or however life may be for that. But Jesus states that in this passage with this image of a vine that makes it appear extremely essential. Your faith cannot survive without it, without a connection to Jesus. Sometimes I wonder if we fall into viewing that connection maybe more like a gas station than a vine and branches. What I mean by that is this, that uh, you know how gas stations work with cars, that when the gas meter gets low and it's time to refuel, okay, i got to stop at a gas station and fuel up. And once I fill my car with gas or plug it in and recharge it, if that's the kind of car you have, then, then I'm charged up and I'm back on the road and I'm heading my own way again for a while and until it runs down and I have to do it again. I wonder how often we see a connection with Jesus like that. Maybe not meaning to. Or you know people like that. I know I do. People who, you know what, they will come to me and ask me to pray for them when a situation that really needs desperate prayer presents itself. I really need to be connected to God right now because My spiritual tanks are on complete empty. My spiritual batteries are completely dead, and I need that recharge right now. But then, once life changes a bit and things start going a little better, once once the tanks are full again, it's, all right, now I'm off on the road and going my own way until the next time I really desperately need God again. And, Back and forth and back and forth, it goes like that. Not remaining connected, but just these intermittent hits of finding a recharge from Jesus. You know people like that? Or can we be honest? There are times when we've done that in our own lives, had those moments of really desperately reaching for God to fill us, and then those moments of 
you know what, I think I'll drive my own way for a while and take over. It's not just us, though. It's not just our world. It's a pattern that you see over and over again. In fact, you go back to the Old Testament, that's the entire book of Judges, isn't it? The entire story of Judges in the Old Testament is that exact pattern of people who come to God when they need something desperately, and then when God rescues them and things go their way, they hit the road in their own direction until things fall apart, and back to God they go. It's not new. I think it's a pattern that's always been there. And the Bible shows us that, that it's a pattern that's always been there. So Jesus instructs us, you know what, for a faith that grows and bears the fruit that God intends for our lives, this back and forth doesn't work. But to remain, to abide in Jesus, is to continually draw on the nutrients that Jesus gives our souls in that. So we see that come to us in verse 5. Move ahead a little bit. Verse 7, he says this, If you remain in me, my words remain in you. My words remain in you. This is about abiding in Scripture. Spending time reading the Bible. Plain and simple. I don't know how I can say it any differently than that. That God has revealed himself and who he is through his word. And that we have his word preserved for us in scripture. And that the way that we remain connected to God by knowing who he is and what he wants from us and how he forms our lives is to be in his word. Now, I don't know that there's any one right way to do that. It can be individual devotions. It can be part of a Bible study group, part of a reading group that does that together. Maybe just one other person that you read with. Maybe you're the kind of person who hears it more auditory, so you can get one of those things on your phone that will read it and speak it for you while you have headphones in or you're in the car. There are so many different ways that the Word of God comes to us and can come to us in the world that we live in. And I don't know that there's any one way that is the right way. Find a way that works for you. A way where God's Word is always in front of you. However that works. If it's something that you have as a part of your daily routine. I know in my house there, there's note cards that have verses written on them that, that my wife likes to tuck in the corners of the bathroom mirror because every day, every day no matter what, you're going to look in the bathroom mirror for something. And there's God's word tucked around the corners of that. Find a way. Find a way that God's word somehow is in front of you every day, every week, that we know God and who God is through his word, through scripture, that abiding in the word, abiding in scripture keeps us connected to God. He tells us that in this passage as a way to stay rooted in him. Then one more. Let me give you one more from verse 9. Remain in my love, abiding in obedience. That's what he says in this. If you obey me, keep my commands to remain in my love. Now, I know there's a whole lot of commands in the Bible. This one maybe sounds like a really tall order. Wow, the way to remain in God's love is to obey all that God has commanded? 
But let's stay with what the passage says here, all right? Let's stay with the words of Jesus. Because twice in this passage, Jesus says what his command is. And he boils it down to loving others. Love one another. So if you want to remain in my love, the way you do that is to obey, God says. And the way that you obey is to love one another. Because that's the command I give you. Or maybe to think of it another way, to remain in God's love is to be a person of love as God has commanded. That those things come to us as ways to abide in Jesus, abide with God, to have a faith that is rooted then the passage talks about things like bearing fruit, right? That, that you will bear much fruit when these things happen. When we live in ways that are rooted in God, that it shows up in the fruit that we bear, the spiritual fruit of our lives that you can read about in other places of Scripture. But I want us to consider the way that shows up in how we are rooted in God. So, so let, me, let me close with this. There, there's another word in this passage that is prominent, extremely prominent, and it's the word if. It's the Greek word ain. But the word if. Look at how many times in this passage that Jesus talks about a vine, the word if appears. And in our language, the English language, the word if often can mean it's a conditional statement. Maybe that's where we go first. But I want us to ask the question, is that what's happening here? Are these meant to be conditional statements? Follow me with this one, okay? Conditional statements meaning this, right? That there's a condition for something to happen. If X happens, then Y will happen, right? That's a condition. The condition for Y to take place is that X takes place first. Or the implication is this, that the same thing would be true the other way around, that that if X does not happen, then Y will not happen either. That's a conditional statement. Now, if we were to read this passage about the vine as though these are conditional statements, this gets kind of scary. Kind of scary in the way that if it's conditional, I might be in a world of trouble. If the way that I remain in God's love is to do what he commands and love others, and you know what? I don't do that perfectly. I might try, but I don't do that perfectly. But if that's the condition, if the only way that God is going to love me is if I love others, then I'm not sure I can say God loves me. If it's a conditional statement, because I don't know that I have always loved others. You see how that goes. Or also in this passage, Jesus says, and you are my friends if you do what I command. But when I fail to do everything God commands, does that mean God's not my friend anymore? If these are conditional statements, I don't know what we have to go with this morning. But let's... Let me consider with you a little bit of 
how the Greek works here. Because the word if in Greek not only applies to conditional statements, but it can also apply to what's called a coordinated statement. Now, coordinated statements are things that are connected together, but not based on a condition that has to be met. In English, we don't use the word if as much when we talk about coordinated statements. We usually use the word because in English. But I think this is what Jesus is after in these words. He's after a coordinated statement. He's not saying, if you want to be my friend, you better do this. If you want me to love you, you better do this. I think Jesus is putting it to us the other way around. Because of X, then the result is Y. Towards the end of this passage that I read today, that comes clear. That Jesus says in verse 16, You did not choose me. I chose you. This isn't on a condition of something that you have to do for me. This is based on something that I have already done for you. That's what Jesus is setting up in this passage. And the words of the passage make that clear. That because Jesus already abides in me, that there's results. Because Jesus has already come into the world and revealed himself and done everything necessary for us to be reconciled to God. Because Jesus has already done that and continues to abide with me, there's results. There's things that happen because of it. Because Jesus abides in me, the result is bearing much spiritual fruit. That's what Jesus says in this passage. Bearing fruit is not the condition for me to come to God or to stay connected in God, no. But because Jesus already abides in me, the result in my life will naturally be the bearing of spiritual fruit. Because Jesus abides in me, the result is remaining in God's word. That Jesus in me draws me towards that remaining in his word. That because Jesus abides in me, the result will be loving others. That my life being washed over and overwhelmed with the love of God for me will automatically result in a love that overflows for others. These then are not tasks that I have to perform in order to get myself connected to God. These are not the things that are on my to-do list of things that I have to do in order to prove that I'm a Christian or a person of faith or grow in faith. Maybe sometimes we think of it that way. Well, to be a Christian means I have to do all these things. But I think what Jesus is telling us in this passage is, no, 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 those aren't your task list of things to do. Those are the things that are going to be the result, the byproduct, what happens automatically by God working through your life when Jesus abides in you. So the goal then is not to check off all these things on the list, but simply abide in Jesus as Jesus abides in us. So if you need a place to start today, a place to begin in the new year with that of of faith that is rooted in God, 
Don't let that be overwhelming with all these things I have to do in order to be rooted in God. No, if you need a place to start, start with this. Start with a prayer that says, Jesus, come abide in me so that I may abide in you. Jesus, come abide in me that I may abide in you. Start by focusing on connection with Jesus. And then... Let Jesus be the one who produces the results of that connection in and through your life. Let Jesus be the one who brings that as his Holy Spirit works in us to renew us into his image, that we abide with him in that. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word. And showing us in your word that all those things that we try to do or think that we have to do in order to be connected to you, those things have already been done. And they've been done by you for us. So God, remind us today that really the thing that we need to do is live in your love as you abide with us. As you embrace us in your grace, may we embrace one another with that same grace and that same love. God, help us then to live lives that don't try to get us connected to you, but live in gratitude for the connection that we already have and enjoy. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.